Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things going this week? Things are great. How are you? You had an uh, interesting week away, right? That's why we didn't do any last week, but uh, we'll get back in the swing now. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're back after a week off. We had the family vacation to Disney. I survived. I'm <laughs> ba- back in the swing of things now and, and ready to talk some football. We've got some. Is that a car ride for you? It is, yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, one one day, fifteen hours. Whoa! Power through. Impressive. Well, crazy, some might say, but uh, you know it works for us, so that's that's good. I I don't know. I don't I don't want to do the. I, I can't imagine doing a flight with three kids and a stroller and all that. You can't all that stuff. So you can't pack as nearly as well either. No, I wouldn't think so. My brother-in-law is a big Disney guy. And for the same reasons, also drives, but I think it's like 26 hours from here. That's bonkers. Yeah, from where we are, kind of seems to be the max, but, uh, yeah, you know, to each their own, I guess. But regardless of all that, yeah, yeah, we're ready to talk some football. We've got some listener questions today. We've got some great guests lined up for the next few weeks. And really, before we know it, training camp's going to be here. This is, uh, this offseason is flying by. We always stay busy with, uh, free agency and draft and and camps and things like that. So this is this is kind of the dead period, but not for us and not for our listeners as we no, keep, not, keep building those teams. Not at all. And I just got word. Uh, I didn't mention it to you yet, but Steeler Nation Radio wants me to basically move into a dorm room at St. Vincent's. You know, like next to the players and be there. You know, twenty four seven. So. I'll be doing some dynasty blueprints probably from the dorms. Very nice. Very nice. We always yeah. like your, we always like your Steeler input. We got a, uh, got a couple questions about the Steelers today that we're going to cover. Uh, and I'm sure you'll have more for us in the next few weeks. Absolutely. We are going to dive right in. Our first question comes from Matt, my, my buddy, my co-host on another podcast on the DLF podcast, Matt Price. Uh, he says, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G at quarterback five in June ADP. And Matt says, yeah, bro, or come on, man. So <laughs> uh, I, I like that way of thinking about it. I shared uh, some of the June ADP on Twitter recently and got a lot of pushback about Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback five. So let's let's run down some of these guys. Uh, we've got Aaron Rodgers at the top. Deshaun Watson is actually quarterback two. Russell Wilson, quarterback three. Carson Wentz is four. Those three guys, for the record, are basically in, in a tie. 56.0, 56.2, 56.3 is their ADP. So don't get too thrown off by seeing Watson there at, at the two spot. But after those, you have Garoppolo as quarterback five. Cam Newton is right behind him. And then you've got to drop off to Kirk Cousins, Mahomes, Goff, Luck, Mariota, Stafford, uh, Jameis Winston outside of the top 12 quarterbacks. Uh, that got a little attention as well. And, of course, he's been in the news this week. So maybe maybe there won't be as much argument with him outside of the top 12. But the point of this one is Garoppolo quarterback five. We saw him play a half dozen games last year and had some great success, obviously. 
But is it enough to put him at quarterback five? No, but I sort of see the point. You know, I'm sitting here looking at my ranks now, and I've noticed my quarterback ranks, you know, are much different than the consensus. But my top four are the same, but in a different order. I go Wentz, Rodgers, Wilson, Watson. Um, and I think they kind of stand alone. You know, like I don't think Garoppolo's even in that conversation. Right. To me, I'd much rather have Cam Newton than Garoppolo. Let's start there. I mean, would you? Yes. Yeah, I would rather have Cam. Uh, and again, putting it all on the table, Garoppolo and Cam are are right beside each other. Garoppolo's okay. ADP is 82. Cam's is 82.2. So um, it, it's, it's essentially a coin flip. But at the same time, Garoppolo's quarterback five after less than half a season as a starter. Uh, Cam's had multiple seasons uh, in which he was <laughs> – not only holding down a starting job, but he was performing as a top five fantasy quarterback. Uh, so that I agree with you. That's the first conversation to have. And I do prefer, uh, prefer Cam Newton there. Uh, okay. Let's go from here though. Is I noticed you said cousins was high on that list. I have him very low to be honest. He's my 15th. I know I'm, I'm rough on him. I have Stafford at 12, but a couple guys I have ahead of Garoppolo I can obviously see why somebody would prefer Jimmy and I'm a, the biggest Jimmy fan in the real world, no doubt. And I think the Niners offense only get better and they might add a big time receiver next year. I don't know how much he'll run and I don't think he's at all fluky, but I had luck at six and I can see why anybody wouldn't just wouldn't even touch luck. I get that. I have Mariota at seven, even with the suspension, I have Winston at eight and I have Goff at nine, basically because they're supporting cast. Yeah, that's that's kind of kind of the same as mine, I guess. I, I do have I've got Cam at five. I do actually have Garoppolo at six. Uh, okay, atop that group of uh, young quarterbacks: Mario to next, then Golf, then Winston, then Mahomes, and then the veterans. I agree with you. Cousins is lower for me. He's my quarterback thirteen, um, and actually, I'm kind of kind of even more worried about him than that. I would I would consider dropping him probably before I mm-hmm. move him up. I think those guys, all those young quarterbacks though that we mentioned are, are pretty much in a similar tier, but what we're seeing with ADP and and with the way these guys are being valued is Garoppolo is is quite a bit ahead of those guys. Uh, I mean, we're talking not just a little bit. I I, I mentioned the small gap between he and Cam Newton. But then once you get down to Cousins, Mahomes, Goff, we're talking three or four rounds of difference between these guys. Um, so I don't get that. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just too much of a gap. So I don't think the quarterback five spot is too far off. Like I said, I have him quarterback six, but the gap is what I have a big uh, a big issue with. So back to Matt's question, I would have to be more of come on, man, then, then yeah, bro, I'm, I'm not quite on board with this. No, agreed. And I, I, I have to think that some of it is people want him on their team. You know, they want to feel like they're the smartest guy in the room. And I got Garoppolo as the fifth quarterback, and he ends up being the next Aaron Rodgers. And maybe that's true. Like I said, I think he's a phenomenal player. But He's a long – I mean, there's so many other quarterbacks. To, to clearly like him over Mariota to me is, you know, by three rounds, I, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, uh, But I, I also think you're right that that's kind of what's happening here is he's he's kind of the, the new kid on the block, and, and Mahomes mm-hmm. is a little bit uh, – this is happening a little bit with Mahomes as well. We see it with – with rookies and young players in general uh, across all four positions that this time of year, we just want the best looking team. And, and right now that, that includes Garoppolo. Let's take a, a look at our next question. It's from Dylan. And he says, where do you rank David Montgomery in the last two running back classes combined? So uh, Montgomery is, considered by most to be the RB1 in next year's class. Uh, have you gotten to do much work on on any of those college guys at all, Matt? No, but I've read 
a handful of things about them, and and he's at the top of that list, like you said. My early, early impressions, and please don't hold me to this because I really haven't even watched them, is he's not, certainly not Barkley or where we talked about Geis from this time of year or uh, a potential top 10 overall NFL draft pick, you know, Gurley, Elliott. He doesn't seem like he's that type of prospect to me. No, no, I agree. I, I do like Montgomery. He is, uh, if I'm ranking right now, and and I am for DLF with my Devi rankings, uh, he, he is my running back one in that class. Mm-hmm. But to rank him against these these past two classes that has give that have has given us Barkley and Kamara and Cook and Hunt and Fournette and Mixon and McCaffrey, uh, I, I'm just reading some of these names in our rankings, Penny and Geis. To me, he wouldn't even be in the top 10 if you're, we're throwing him in with a class of 2017 and 2018. And, and that's not even a knock on him. That's just how good these past two classes have been. To me, it sounds like you're sort of on the same page. Is He's more of a carry on Johnson, Royce Freeman than he is even a Penny or a Chubb. And I don't even like Penny. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably fair to say. I mean, we're we're talking about uh, we were talking about these guys, uh, Fournette and Barkley, as as top overall picks in rookie drafts, and, and and even in Barkley's case, top overall pick in a dynasty startup draft in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think many people are considering Montgomery the best fantasy prospect in next year's class at all. It it looks like that's going to be uh, one of these wide receivers. So. I like Montgomery a lot. Again, that's not a knock on him. I think he'll be the RB1 next year. I think he'll be a top five rookie pick in fantasy, but he's just not really in the conversation with most of these guys. And that's because of talent, right? I mean, he's just not as gifted as, you know, he's not a special player at this stage of his college career. Right. Now, I mean, we saw a ton of improvement from him from, uh, 2016 to 2017 and if if he can improve even on that level then then things can change we always uh, of course see breakout players and uh that that happens every year and and he could he could put himself in uh, on that level in that position but as of right now i I don't see it in a devi i don't understand devi as well as you do is he worth more to you than Kenyon Drake, Jordan Howard, Tevin Coleman. Um, no, you have to wait a year. Right? Yeah, probably probably not any of those. I think I I think I'd take all of those guys over him. Um, I mean he's just he's just not close enough to a sure thing. Mm-hmm. I'll say this: I think there's a better chance he's not a first round dynasty rookie pick than the chance of him moving up to the 101. Okay. Well said. Yeah, that says a lot. Next question from Chuck. What's a realistic way to convert a one quarterback dynasty league into a super flex or two quarterback league? Matt, you are about to start your first super flex league. We talked about this on our last episode with Adam. Uh, He encouraged you and and he kind of made it happen. You're going to start a new super flex league soon. Yeah, he liked. Uh, I guess he liked me saying I'm real interested in adding one because he immediately got in touch saying let's make it happen, and he's been really proactive to do it. I added two dudes that I know that are good owners, and he's had a lot of people from around the internet that you guys are real familiar with too, and some people have been on the show. So I'm psyched. I mean, by the time we probably record our next one, my hunch is our draft will have started, and I'm a little nervous because I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not sure when to, you know, to pull the trigger on that first quarterback. And, you know, am I going to overdraft the guys or am I going to be stuck with nothing? But I can't wait. I think it's going to be a blast. And for Chuck's question, one thing I think you really have to do, and this is more up your alley than mine, is you need to tell people two or three years in advance. You know, like in 2020, this is going to be a super flex. Plan accordingly. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, Scott Fish and I have talked about this. Uh, multiple times on our Commission Possible podcast, and we we're both in agreement that uh, exactly with what you just said, you have to give ample time to to allow owners to get ready for this change because we 
all know how quarterbacks are valued in a, a typical one quarterback league. And essentially they're not. Sometimes you have a hard time even getting a first rounder for guys like Cam Newton or Jimmy Garoppolo uh, or, or even Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. So in, and when you move to a super flex league, a two quarterback league, it's completely different. Those quarterbacks uh, really rule the league when it comes to how they're being valued. And, and it's just a huge change. Honestly, I would, I wouldn't even suggest to, to try to make that transition. I would just start, uh, start a new league. If that's, yeah, right. Uh, if that's what I wanted to do. Um, and even if, if everybody in the league's on board, maybe you start a brand new league with these same people. Uh, but that's what I was going to say too. Yeah, making making that change for me is just too much. Um, Scott's advice when we've talked about it is to give two draft cycles. So, for example, maybe you make the decision um, prior to this year's rookie draft, and then it would take effect after next year's rookie draft. So, and even that seems that's like, close. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even that seems like maybe not enough time because uh, even when you're playing with that one quarterback, people are going to start valuing them like you are, you like you can already start to. So, you know what? I mean, the more you talk this through, I think that your original suggestion of just starting a new league is really the only way to go because my thoughts are, okay, we're in a normal dynasty league and we're going to make this transition. All of a sudden, I'm trading carry on Johnson for Josh Allen. And, you know, that 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 year in limbo would really suffer because everyone's planning for this big change. Right, right. I I just don't – I mean, drafting is one, one of maybe the best part of playing fantasy football. So um, why not just start a new league, have another draft, and – and go from there. So th that would be my advice. I wouldn't really try it. Uh, I, I do think you have to give a couple of years notice uh, to plan that transition. And I'm just not sure it's worth it. Not to mention too, like one league I'm in, there's an owner who I don't think is a very good owner, you know I mean? And he rarely wins. His teams aren't very good, but he's got like six or seven quarterbacks on his roster which is really bad ownership, to be honest with you. And he would be rewarded remarkably. I mean, he's got like Dak and Rivers and, you know, like five or six guys that would be worth a ton all of a sudden for being a bad owner. Yeah, that's a great point. I'd never thought of that. That is, that's a really good point. And that, that does happen. I've got a couple leagues like that. Uh, I, I don't have six or seven, but I've got three maybe three of the top 15, I just haven't mm -hmm. been able to get value for him. I think we've talked about that league on here before. That would be a great change for me, but honestly, it just wouldn't be fair. You don't deserve it. Yeah. And this guy definitely does deserve it. Next question comes from Slappy. He says, third year of a higher stakes dynasty league, lots of inactive owners. We hate to hear that. Um, yeah. He says, changing rules is not an option. That being said, what tactics do you guys try to get individual owners to respond to trades, possibly counter or even engage in dialogue? Um, this, this is a tough one. This is another topic Scott and I have talked about, just trying to, trying to encourage inactive owners to be active, and it's almost impossible. Um, yeah, I mean, even in leagues that we're in that have activity rules, there are still some people who – are not very active and maybe they'll, they'll respond to trades, but you rarely, if ever get a counter offer from some of these guys. And they never uh, make an offer. <clears throat> right. So uh, I, I hate this, but this is a, another one that I just feel like the best case is probably finding a new league. That being said, when you're talking about individual owners, I mean, I'm going to contact these guys I'm going to find the best way to contact these people. And uh, obviously in, in today's age, we have endless ways to do that. So if somebody's more active on Twitter, maybe they don't check their email, but they're active on Twitter or um, they use Voxer. That's something we use in a lot of our leagues or email or a message through the league site, 
or texting, if you have their number, whatever, whatever that one way that they uh, choose to communicate, you've got to figure that out and kind of go to them rather than waiting for them to come to you. And don't you think a lot of it has is kind of on the shoulders of the commission? I mean, it's a really hard situation no matter what and for the commission. But if you're one of four or five active owners out of 12 and you went to the commissioner and said, Jimmy doesn't do a thing. You know, every year he picks 110, 210, 310, you know, like never trades anything, doesn't make a move. This league is dying quick. Can you can you give him a warning and kick him out if this year's no different? You know, like say, hey, you got to be you three are killing the league and I'm going to find replacements for you one year from now if that doesn't change. Yeah, I, I think in the end it has to be on the commission to do that. Yeah. Um, again, this this question said changing the rules is not an option. Not not exactly sure what the scenario is here, what the situation is, but it sounds like maybe that's not going to be able to happen, unfortunately. But in general, yeah, it, it's certainly on the commissioner to uh, to push for that league activity in in whatever way necessary. And if you're not having fun, maybe you tell everyone like, "Hey, this isn't fun. I, let's dissolve the league, or I'm getting out." You know, I'll go dedicate my time elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes the argument is you've got a great team. You just don't want to walk away from that team, which I understand. Especially if you're with a bunch of bad owners. (laughs) Right. right. If you're you're just printing money, I get it. But um, again, this, this is supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun, then really what's the point? Um, Sometimes even if you are making money now, he said it's, it's kind of a high stakes league. So if you're, if you're making a lot of money, then I might be able to endure that. Suffer uh, through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next question comes from Matt. Another oh, Matt. Real quick, I apologize though. Sure. Is if your team isn't good, or you inherited a bad team, or you're trying to rebuild, then it's really frustrating though. Like nobody or you know, if you can't, if half the teams don't make any moves, and even if you're an active, excited owner, that's a really stinky situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and it becomes almost impossible to rebuild. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it's rough when leagues get stale. And I mean, I'm even starting to feel that way with with some of my leagues. My oldest leagues mm-hmm. are 10 or 12 years old and certainly a large number of owners in those leagues are active, but um, but not all of them are. And you know, teams that are coming in or or have been there a while and are trying to rebuild it, it can be tough. Next question from Matt. Who is your favorite late round rookie running back and wide receiver that you seem to keep getting on your team? <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit on one of our uh, past shows. Uh, who are a couple of yours, Matt? Let's let's start with the running back position. Hmm. There's two receivers that kind of jump out at me. But running backs that I'm getting in the late rounds, Jackson is one. You know, the like the end of the roster guy from the Chargers. Because mm-hmm. if Gordon goes down, I thought he's a pretty good player, you know, and Matt Waldman turned us on to him. And I was shocked that he fell quite as much as he did in the real world. I could see John Kelly being Gurley's immediate replacement, too. You know, I'm looking at guys that have talent, have a track record of being successful at the college level, that one massive fantasy changing injury could turn them into something good. And then Ido Smith's the other one I think is kind of exciting because I don't think Coleman's going to be back. And it wouldn't surprise me if Freeman's best days are starting to, you know, go wayward. Yeah, I like all those calls, um, especially Jackson. For me, it's probably Chase Edmonds. Uh, mm. He seems to be kind of moving up the board. There's been a little bit of positive talk uh, about him out of Arizona. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be overtaking David Johnson, but um, could certainly earn that top backup role like you talked about with um, with Jackson and Kelly. So he's he's probably been my running back that I've been grabbing a lot. Jordan Wilkins is another guy I've been looking at. There's been some, <clears throat> some uh, not necessarily positive news about him, but at least some some other analysts. I know both Mike Clay and Evan Silva were were big fans of his in their post-draft uh, write-ups. So he kind of 
began moving up the board a little bit. I think you can still get him in the third round, though, and and you did get him in the mm-hmm. third round of, of at least one of our drafts. Uh, you you mentioned having some wide receivers. Who are those? Uh, Kiki Cutie. Uh, he can. I think he's another one you can still kind of get in the third, but I have him as my twenty fourth rookie. So uh, I, I, I'm warming up to him much more since he's been drafted and reading about him than I did before. And the other one that really stands out in that same regard to me is Deion Kane from in Indy is a lot of positive buzz, a lot of opportunity. Um, Lance Zerline had him ranked very high and you can see why, I mean, the Clemson wide receiver with size and speed. Yeah. Antonio Callaway is a guy I was taking really early oh, on yeah. in the third round. And he's another guy who has moved up, probably can't get him in the third round. Uh, of these later drafts uh, anymore, maybe maybe early third, but wide receivers just really deep. Lots of guys I would like to take shots on uh, if I have those third and fourth round picks. And the the roster space, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, Jamon Moore. I agree with Kane. I agree with uh, QT for sure. And then even deeper than that, Berrios. I like uh, Cedric Wilson and Justin Watson. Trey Quinn is another. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft, he has also gotten some some good buzz out of uh, Washington, out of their early rookie camps and things like that. So lots of wide receiver options. Um, any of those late round guys that you would be staying away from, you just don't believe in at all? Hmm. I'm looking down my list here, who I probably have lower than everybody else. Um... No one's really coming to mind. I mean, Bo Scarborough doesn't excite me. Um, yeah. Not really. Not really. I mean, I don't think I have anybody that I just crushed and put really late. Um, there's guys like Balage that I'm lower on than others that I don't end up with. Um, but no, I don't have a guy that I don't have a stay away from guy. Yeah. I was going to say Balage as well. I'm, uh, um, I, I would take him at a certain point, but in, in every draft, he's basically being drafted before I would consider him. Uh, mm-hmm. What about Jalen Samuels? He's kind of a stay away for me. I think you I said have him very before. low on my list. Yeah, he's he's uh he's my 54th rookie, but better I NFL mean, player than fantasy option, right? My guy, my hunch is, yeah, and I think he's probably a lifetime <laughs> number 3, maybe number 2 a year here and there, core special teamer help you in a lot of ways, but there's always somebody better. Yeah. Like I'm happy he's a stealer, but I don't want him on my fantasy team. If that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Makes total sense. You know what else makes sense? Our (laughs) friends at Harry's. It makes sense for you right now to go to harrys.com slash dynasty and check out their special offer they have for you. Because like I've been telling you now for years, it's been years now, I think Ryan, that, Harry's is the best product out there. And I tried a bunch of them. I used to be an electric guy. And now I'm all about the blades at Harry's. It's a wonderful product. So Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision, although it should be. So they create a trial offer. Claim yours by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Harry's founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors and unnecessary features. They knew a great shave comes down to great blades, made of sharp, durable steel that lasts. That's why they bought a factory in Germany that's been making some of the highest quality blades in the world now for over 95 years. By selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. It's only two bucks a blade as opposed to $4 or more. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. And this is what you get in the trial offer. It's really a $13 value. You get a weighted handle, which is wonderful, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, it smells great, and a travel blade cover. So listeners to to our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know that we we sent you to help support the show. Matt, our next question comes from Charlie. This one's going to be a perfect discussion for you. What round should you take a quarterback in a super flex league? Uh, so again, we we mentioned you are about to take part in your first super flex league. Do you want to uh, do you want to spill the beans here? Do you want to share your your draft plan? 
Do you have a sort of formulating? They're not really, but kind of. I'm sitting here looking. You know, Wentz is my number one quarterback. And I think as we stand here on June 26th, around dinner time, I would rather have Odell, A.B., Hopkins, Gurley, Johnson, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara than any quarterback. And maybe I'd rather have Dalvin Cook. So I probably won't take one in the first 10 or so, but I bet I do in the second round if I didn't in those situations. Yeah, we talk a lot about the late round quarterback strategy that we use uh, in in typical drafts, whether it's dynasty or redraft. Uh, That's certainly a popular strategy. I wouldn't suggest that with this, but that, the reason that strategy works in in general is because of the depth of the quarterback position. So I used to say, you've got to take a quarterback in the first round, no matter what. I think again, that depth, I mean, we, we talked about 13 or 14 or 15 guys that we liked earlier and, and you know, well, I don't want to say, you know, but you're fairly certain you're going to get one of those, top 10 or 12 guys, even in the second round, if you wait. wait. So uh, I think this year is set up so that you can go with a running back or a receiver in the first round and then grab that first quarterback uh, after that. And to spill the beans a little, you sent me some recent ADP on super flexes. And I was a little shocked that you could still get very startable quarterbacks out of the top three rounds or so. You know, like for example... All these guys are going at the 60th pick or later. Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan. Like, I have no problem starting Matt Ryan. And he's going 61st overall. Um, Derek Carr, he's another one I have no hesitation starting every week in a two-quarterback situation. He's going 65.5. Drew Brees, especially if you're in win now. And my man Lamar Jackson, they're all going, like, from 60 to 70. And and if I got – I mean, you can't count on it because it's kind of the bird in the hand situation. But if I ended up with two of those in round four and five or five and six and was loaded at the other spots, I'd like my chances. Yeah, that that two quarterback ADP, super flex ADP will be on DLF soon. It's just about wrapped up. Uh, and I've been sharing some of the early round results on Twitter uh, um, as well. Uh, it's just so tough. Every I would say that super flex leagues are a little bit more like auctions than maybe a one quarterback league in that we say every auction is different and people ask for average auction values of certain players. And <clears throat> really that, that doesn't really even exist because every <laughs> auction is kind of its own beast. And you can't say Andrew Luck went for this amount in these 10 auctions. So I, I think he'll go for that amount in this one. It, it just, it doesn't really work that way. It only takes one guy to drive it up. Right. And, and Superflex is a little bit more like that because the drafts are so different. Um, and, and that does, that does make ADP a little less valuable. Uh, I've seen Superflex leagues where 10 quarterbacks went in the first round, literally uh, out of 12. So, you can kind of run happens. You can't ignore it. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You yeah. can't, you can't sit it out because even with that depth, um, I don't think you can wait. I don't think you can wait until the fifth or sixth round to take your first quarterback. No, so, I mean, so, you're really playing with fire in that scenario, but it, it wouldn't, I mean, I bet I take one in the second and then maybe wait to like the fifth or sixth and take two. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next question comes from Thad. He says, how does Brady's comments about playing until his mid-40s and the Oprah interview affect his dynasty value? So I have to admit, I I missed the Oprah interview. Maybe that was on vacation. (laughs) I'm not sure what the Oprah interview really even refers to. Uh, I did hear the comments about Brady saying he wanted to play uh, uh, through his mid-40s or up until his mid-40s, and – I mean, to me, that doesn't change his value at all. I don't. I don't want to say he's um, that I don't believe him or that he's lying or or anything like that. But I'm I'm still treating him as a year to year asset. Yes, I mean, he was just named the number one player overall in the NFL top 100 thing, and 
I don't think anybody can argue that. I mean, I think he's playing as great as he's been. I think he's playing his best football probably right now, which is unbelievable. Um, but you also get the feeling that everything's not roses in New England right now either. You know, that these guys are getting older. It's a little more surly. They've got a lot of a, a lot of success, obviously, that maybe Tom has a really good year, wins or loses another Super Bowl, and says, I'm done. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to ready to hang it up. It's been a great, great run. Maybe I could do another year, but I don't want to fall off. So I think, yeah, I mean, he's a year-to-year guy that can win your league. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're starting them every week, so there's definitely dynasty value there. But don't count on them for two, three years. Yeah, I agree. Um, what What percentage would you – say that he plays until his mid forties. 10. Yeah. I mean, he's 40 now. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine he plays four more years. No, I bet it's, I mean, if I had a hunch, I would put the over under at two. Yeah. You know, this year, next year. And I'd probably go under. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Next question from Curtis. Who is the tight end and secondary receivers to own in Houston? Uh, so let's take a look at their depth chart a little bit. It's not pretty. It's not pretty, but it's it's getting better, tight I think. End. Tight end's not <clears throat> So, of course, they have DeAndre Hopkins sitting at the top. They've got Will Fuller uh, slated to be their wide receiver, too, their second wide receiver. And uh, he had – he was great when he was on the field last year, especially when he was on the field with uh, with Deshaun Watson and they were both healthy. We saw that really that record pace he was on through four weeks. I think he caught I think he caught nine touchdowns in four games, something like that. Uh, and and most of those were were deep bombs. So Fuller is, I would say, cemented as. Uh, their second wide receiver and and certainly Mm -hmm. a good option in fantasy, maybe even an underrated option. And and then the guy you mentioned earlier, Kiki Cutie Cutie is um, he's kind of buried on their death chart. If you look at it now, of course that's pre training camp. Bruce Ellington is projected to be their slot receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if Cutie can win that job and, and overtake Ellington and, and be their slot starter. Would that surprise you? No, I think I'm, you know, Braxton Miller's the other name, you know, the once hot dynasty asset who's kind of really cooled off and they seem low on him. I think UT will be the three. I think Fuller will remain the Deshaun Jackson, you know, the fast Ted Ginn type that absolutely will not keep up the same pace that he he did this past year, but a big play guy that gets singles coverage. Um, And then my only last thought is I kind of like Atkins at tight end. As a long shot, long shot, you know, like a Herndon type long shot in rookie drafts. But I think this offseason will be go get your starting tight end. Yeah, when you look at the depth chart, um, you have to think there's not really an impact player there. It it could be Jordan Akins. Uh, I know some people like Steven Anderson, uh, the receiving tight end there. Ryan Griffin is projected to be their starter but i think we've kind of seen what he is and it's Mm -hmm. it's nothing special if i'm in a deep league especially if it is some type of tight end premium then i'm gonna find try to find a roster spot for for anderson and maybe akins as well but in general i'm i'm not even really considering those guys um in in most league formats so fuller yes cutie yes tight ends probably stay away. Yeah. I think that's next year's project. And if somebody starts to really play well in the first couple of weeks of the season, then I'm interested, but right now I don't have room for one. All right, Matt question for you from Hamlet is the mm-hmm. X receiver dying. Um, I think the distinction between X and Z is sort of archaic now too. You know, that you line up here off the line of scrimmage, you line up here on the line of scrimmage. Um, I just think that they, they ask so many guys to do so much more anymore that if you're pigeonholed to one or the other, unless you're awesome, you know, like this is what I do and I'm one of the best in the league, leave me alone, then I think it's sort of a distinction you really don't hear much anymore. 
All right, next one from Manny. This is another one right up your alley, Matt. Um, he wants to know any word on James Washington and his potential role in Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, one of the most impressive guys through minicamp and uh, OTAs for sure. Love the way he moves, competes. I like his body. We sat down and talked to him. He's a thicker Golden Tate type of guy um, that I think he'll start out. Remember how Sammy Coates was used early? Like, always got single coverage on the opposite side of the field as AB. I think that'll be Washington to begin. And then I think they'll start throwing them bubble screens, tunnel screens, get the ball in his hands, break a tackle after the catch, much more than a guy like, like Coates. So I think he's got a really good chance to be the three and clearly their receiver history is pretty crazy. Yeah, they've, they've had a lot of success there, and Washington could be the next in line. Just uh, It's really just a matter of finding some targets for him. Uh, what about the – this is not from one of our listeners, but just for me. What about the tight end there? Um, mm-hmm. I love and, McDonald. Vance McDonald, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he – Last year, if you recall, he wasn't even on the Steelers yet. You know, they yeah. traded for him. It might even been during camp. I mean, it was right before the year. And by no means is he dumb or doesn't learn things. He just got there really, really late in the process and didn't know the offense. And then he had a couple of few, a handful of injuries. And people told me that if Vance would have known the, the, the offense a little better, we probably would have put him out there with the injuries. Um He's very impressive, though. He's fast. And if you remember, they signed Ladarius Green a lot long ago. After Heath Miller left, they've been looking for a tight end that can really run. And he's like a 4-6 flat guy. He's a good blocker. Um, Jesse James, to me, is a backup all day long and maybe a number three. I think McDonald's a guy I own everywhere in in Dynasty. And I have him as my 18th-ranked tight end. I have him behind Clay and ahead of Eifert. Yeah, I and he could easily go up. I yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do with Ivor. Yeah, just Ricky Seals yeah. Jones is my other tight end. I own a lot of places. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, that that's good news on on McDonald. I, I know a lot of people like him. Uh, hadn't heard a ton about him though through this off season. I have a quick question for you. Going back to the last question, and I was torn on this in a rookie draft: James Washington or Anthony Miller. Yeah, I, I would still go Washington there. Um, I went Miller. Uh, well, I mean, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to think Miller's going to see the more, uh, make the more immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you have a contender, I could see that maybe. I, but just just ba- based on talent, uh, I'm I'm going to stick with Washington. They're close though. Yeah, yeah, they're right next to them for me, and I was really torn and. Um, if I had to start one of them week one, it would be Miller. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't expect to start Washington really at all no, the no. entire season. Next question from James. Can I, uh, should I sell Kamara, Tate, and the Chargers defense? So Alvin Kamara, Golden Tate, Chargers defense for Kareem Hunt and Nelson Aguilar. Ooh, what do you think? No, I love Kamara. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. I think that's yeah. a really easy no. I I want Kamara yeah. over Hunt and sure, clearly, uh, and I want Tate over Tate, Aguilar. Tate over Aguilar. I don't really care about the defense, but I'm certainly not tossing uh, tossing in anything in that type of trade. So definitely keep Kamara for sure. Uh, James also says, who do you think will be there at at the one point five pick of this year's draft? So. Uh, Barkley certainly will be gone. And then after that, you're looking at one of those running backs, likely Geis, Chubb, Penny, or Jones. I know you like Sony Michelle also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my list goes Barkley, Geis, Michelle, Jones, Chubb. So if I'm at five, my worst case scenario is Chubb, and I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. But most people good. are going to have Penny probably in that spot or earlier. Good good place to be, but definitely keep Kamara. Don't, don't make that deal. Yeah, don't make that deal. And Hunt's great, but Kamara's great. <laughs> I want Kamara. Next one, Alex says, thoughts on Austin Hooper? Is this a potential breakout season for him in 2018? What do you think about Hooper? Yeah, he's kind of one of those guys that I'd like to have as my third tight end. And I seem to collect those in all my leagues. You know, we talked about McDonald. We talked about Seals Jones. Um, Gerald Everett's one of those guys for me, you know, that I 
could break out. There's good situations. And Hooper's another one. I think they like him a lot. It's good offense. I think he's startable now on a pinch. And as bad as the tight end group is, you know, the, the, the you know, number like four through 12, he could get in that neighborhood. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going the other way. I, he's just a guy, to me, I, I just haven't seen anything to really encourage me that, that he might be the real deal. And, and then thinking about that roster, it hasn't changed too much since last year, other than the addition of Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I don't, I just can't see him getting a ton of targets. I certainly can't see him getting more targets than he did last year. Uh, and, and if Coleman's back and healthy for the full season, then uh, he should see his targets increase as well. So I mean, Hooper is, I would say he would be a guy I would try to trade and, and get out of. I think it's too late mm-hmm. for that. I don't think he really has any trade value. I mean, if he's on the waiver wire, I might I might take a stab and pick him up, but I, I don't have very high expectations for him. Yeah, I mean, do you like him more than Jared Cook, Cameron Brait, ASJ? No. You like all those guys better? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like him a little better than those guys, but not by leaps and bounds. Great and ASJ for sure. Cook, uh, Cook would be a close one. Just you know, he's he's a little bit older, and uh, if I'm, I can't imagine starting Cook in a typical league. So maybe I would go Hooper just just in case he does break out uh, somehow. But no, Cook has like two good weeks a year that yeah. you, you hope you started him right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Next question from Jim. It's another Superflex question. He said, new Superflex Dynasty startup debate in a league I'm in. Should it be full PPR or half PPR? He says he likes full point PPR to kind of balance out with the quarterbacks, make sure they're not too valuable. In general, I don't see a huge difference between half PPR and PPR. I think if, uh, if, if there's some who worry about wide receivers dominating the league. I, I think in general, the, the move to super flex is enough to kind of kill that, that notion. So I, I would stick with full PPR personally. I don't have a preference, honestly. I really don't. I don't even mind standard. Ooh. I mean, I know, I'm, I know that's like, so 1990s of me, but yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Last question from John. John says, what should a serious contender be willing to to pay for guys that are at the end of their career, but could help put them over the top guys like uh, shady Fitzgerald um, guys who are at the end. Let's see with the, I'm sorry, with the end really close or other older players like AJ green, Julio Jones, who appear to be, uh, close to the kind of that twilight of their career. What do you, what's your play on this? When you have a contending team, are you targeting veterans? Are you just sometimes depth? I mean, it it would have to be, you know, week 10 and beyond basically, you know, like I don't think I'm really doing it now because what if I'm not a contender and these picks fall, you know, earlier than I thought. Um, you know, if I have a pretty good team and I think I'm a contender and the first month or two of the season agrees with me, but man, all of a sudden I lost a good receiver and I can get Larry for future second sounds like a lot, but third, I don't know, gets it done, you know, then yeah, I mean, I'm in it to win it. I want to make money. I mean, I think you can't ignore that. So I guess it's a fine line. It's not really a, a distinct answer, but I do think as a rule of thumb, future firsts are going to be really hard for me to part with unless it's an AJ green or a Julio or somebody like that, you know, that is still a massive asset. Right. I I agree with most of that. I do think I would be trying to acquire those guys now. I I think in general, the veterans are cheaper in the off season than they're going to Mm. be during the season or, uh, or at the trade deadline or something like that. I, I, our buddy uh, Adam that we had on last week recently made a trade involving a couple of these players. I wanted to see what you thought about this. He traded LaShawn McCoy, Larry Fitzgerald, and a future second rounder 
and he received Juju Smith-Schuster. So he gives McCoy, mm. Fitz, and a second for Juju. What do you think? You both like Juju more than me. Um, I thought you were going to say, and he received a future first. And I was going to say, nice. And But I guess Juju's worth every bit of a future first. So I guess I'm still on board. I just think this is... I like Juju, and... I just don't think he's a special talent. You know, he scored a couple really long touchdowns last year. And I think that those are fluky. He's not super fast. And AB is just such a target hog. We mentioned McDonald. We mentioned Washington. And yeah, Juju's two. Actually, he's three behind Le'Veon. And the offense can sustain it. But there's not a clear path to being one. Yeah, that's, that's, those are all fair. Um, criticisms of him I guess and and his potential role I mean in the end I I think it's just so hard to get value for guys like McCoy and Fitzgerald and we Mm -hmm. talked about Brady earlier players that we that that everybody thinks has one or two years left so to get a young receiver who's being valued as as a top 20 dynasty receiver I think was a slam dunk for Adam and and it's not just because it's Juju and and I'm a big fan of his. I mean, if that was, if that was Corey Davis, I would have been yes. I would say that's a great trade, right? If that was um, DJ Mike Moore, Williams, I probably yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I like Juju a little bit more than Moore or Mike Williams. If it was Corey Davis, I'd say fantastic. No, oh, I can't believe you like Davis more than Juju. Oh yeah, yeah. he's at number one, uh, or soon we, to be. We've got to end right now. That's it. <laughs> wrap it up. All right. We, we will end the questions there. Thanks to everybody who uh, submitted those questions. We always appreciate that. Lots of good topics today. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprints.